Welcome to Hashtime with Navguzi Chuanuka. This is a place where we help you unravel social constructs, discuss self-development in line with mental health, emotional well-being, and everything in between that directly or indirectly affects us in the millennial world around us. If you're hearing my voice for the first time and are the kind of person who is not scared of being a better version of yourself even if it requires you to contradict who you were 24 hours ago, consider this your virtual home. I'm your host, Navguzi Chuanuka, and I cannot wait to engage with you in the various conversations. In the last conversation, I don't know, do I say he begged? <laughs> or he suggested, ah, why are you rolling your eyes? <laughs> I, I don't take it back, by the way. I don't. <laughs> and, and, and I was very happy to jump on that. So we have our resident psychiatrist. Hey, hashtag, we know Guzi Chonika has a resident psychiatrist. That is Dr. Dennis Agaba. And tonight is um, not any different from what we had for the beginning of the season. Of course, the topic is different. We're going to be talking about postpartum depression from a professional's point of view. Last week in episode 132, we had Obi sharing her experience with postpartum. And I found it wise for us to expound the conversation and have a clearer understanding of what it is, how it happens, why it even happens. And like I'd mentioned earlier that this is something that was supposed to happen last year. (laughs) Dr. Dennis was also aware (laughs) that there is something I wanted to build on it. But yeah, things just did not work out. 2023 was just seemed to be fast. But glad and grateful for life. We are here and we are going to have this conversation. So, Dr. Dennis, would you love to give us a casimpo hello and then we introduce the topic for tonight's conversation? Now that I'm an in-house, do I still need to give a hello? You don't greet. You can just say hi. (laughs) Hello and hi. (laughs) <laughs> it's it, it's always uh, beautiful to be back. I, I I'm very very much of an admirer of the work that you're doing, and I I feel very privileged to be a part of it because you know we need more people you know raising the alarm um, in regards to mental illness, mental wellness, our mind. We need to have more and more conversations in this particular kind. So to be part of this for me is is golden, I'd say. So I'm very excited to be here as always. And I always look forward to these and many more conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm going to let you take us. I'm going to let, I'm going to pass the steering wheel for you to drive the conversation And for those that may not have been aware of what we are going to be talking about, which I think all of us are, because there is information that was attached to the link, we are going to have a bigger conversation that is following episode 132. You'd have been in a more understanding of it if you listened to the episode, but if you didn't, (laughs) we could already start from here and draw back to... Obi's experience. So, Dr. Dennis, 
take the floor. Um, great. The topic of the day, postpartum depression, is a very big um, concept when you think about it from you know, where I'm standing. It's, it's a very wide, very diverse um, condition, one that, again, is not talked about as much as it should be. Um, it, it was very interesting for me. I got the chance to listen in to Obi's, um, Obi's sharing um, in the last episode, and I, I would really like to applaud her for being very um, candid about her experience and sharing it. I think many people would would relate with what she went through, and, and, and it's it's just good. She mentions this actually, you know, just to know that you're not alone mm-hmm. is in itself very, very, very powerful, very relieving. Um, when she eventually found out that she was not experiencing something that was you know, um, just has alone that that there are people out there who are willing to support her, willing to journey with her. It definitely uh, was very, very helpful for her. And that's something very important. So very um, grateful to her for sharing her story. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought she'd be here so that we could yeah. be able to just touch on a couple of those issues that she raised um, as well. I could send her a message, actually. Very, 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 very happy that she was able to share um, so I'll, I'll, again, the time, too little for us to do uh, an A to Z of postpartum depression. So I'll just try to, in very few words, break it down um, and just try to give us a good picture of what it looks like. And then maybe take a few questions more directly. Um, I find that, that helps because I may be going on and on about my medical um jargon and, and gibberish and, and that may not be what's very interesting so yeah. I always like to just address particular questions um, but anyway just as a big uh, as an intro when you talk about postpartum depression this is depression which is an illness of itself but particular around the time um, after delivery you know so postpartum post after partum is bath um, and then depression. So this is an illness of the mind um, that occurs in mothers who have given birth, recently given birth. So it can be anywhere from the time that they've given birth to up to six months. That's the period postpartum. Yeah? So the first six months after giving birth is, is really that time that we look at the postpartum period. So if someone develops depression around that time, we'd call it postpartum depression. What is depression? Depression is an illness of the mind um, that particularly results into feelings of sadness, low mood, persistent, you know, so you have persistent sadness, persistent low mood, uh, you have lose interest in previously pleasurable activity, you tend to withdraw from society, you have no, um, you know, feelings of excessive guilt, feelings of uh, worthlessness and hopelessness, and a very negative perception of the world, yourself, and the environment in which you are. And and so, really, that's what depression is. And, and when it comes about that time, then we call it postpartum depression. Um, when we think, you know, why the postpartum period, you know, um, so I'll just focus there. What what makes this time 
so unique that it can in and of itself predispose someone to developing this you are going to kill me i forgot to send you also add there that you know you can actually have uh, depression during pregnancy um as well so we are already in um, and and we talked about you because doctor was like thank depression, you so much Obi, I, I thought she should prepartum depression like, because you can have prepartum depression or you can have postpartum like, oh depression together we call them peripartum depression or depression yeah. around pregnancy as a whole you know these conditions okay. of pregnancy yeah so for for all the different aspects of mental illnesses mm. we like to think about them in a threefold approach, what we call the biopsychosocial approach. All right, thank you so much. We have I'm to so understand sorry. from the biology, so what's happening on the biological front. Right. We have to look at right, what's happening you. on the psychology of things, and then we have to look at it from the social perspective of it, okay? Um, and, and we'll also see that when it comes to how we manage it, it still has to be a biopsychosocial approach to the management. Um, I'd like to think it's okay. Um, maybe you could just give me clarity on this uh chiwanuka the obi yeah Ibo, right <laughs> she was telling us that Ibo. has an evil take to it why are you bringing things forward <laughs> why hey, are you bringing things forward i have to but i wanted to ask <laughs> yes i just wanted to ask is it okay if i use her story to just sort of uh you know you can because it's already public. We can always okay, draw so. back to it. I've actually just been on call with her. I had to mute myself and then I forgot to unmute. I oh. just called her and I realized I had not sent her the link. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but she's joining yeah, yeah, us. So, oh, that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so since you're giving me the go ahead, I'll just be using bits of her story to try and illustrate the things that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, like I said, we have to understand it from the biopsychosocial perspective. Only then can we get to have a proper understanding of, of, of this illness. So biologically, we have to understand that, you know, pregnancy is, is, is a very interesting period of time, um, especially for the mother, because her body changes in many ways. Uh, primarily, um, we have these hormones that are being produced by, by the placenta. Okay, the hormones that actually allow the body to reorganize itself to be able to take care of this new bone that is growing inside the uterus or the womb of the mother. So particularly, you have a lot of estrogen that is being produced, um, you know, um, and in, it's, it's supposed to be at a particular month for it to be um, able to take care of the pregnancy. And so you have estrogen gradually increasing estrogen, progesterone, all these different hormones that have to gradually continue to increase for the, for the pregnancy to be sustained. And what happens once the baby is delivered, right? So once you deliver the baby, you, you also the placenta also has to be removed. And so you then see a very drastic drop in this particular um, chemicals that you're having in the system because they've been produced by the placenta, but now suddenly they've all been removed. And as they are removed, you have a whole new bunch of hormones that have to be produced, the likes of oxytocin, uh, prolactin, and the like, because now you have to shift from looking after this baby um, in your womb to breastfeeding and to many of the other things that has to come up. So on a biological level, so much is changing so fast once this baby is born. 
And, and that, those chemicals, much as they act primarily on the placenta and on these other parts of the body, they also have a very significant interplay in the mind. We know that they have a big role that they play in our moods, they have a big role they play in our cognition and also in how we behave. So use that sudden biological switch of these chemicals predisposes women to developing this, uh, this disorder. Okay, so there is something happening on a biological level. Um, many times we tend to think that, you know, it's just going to be switch and you're, and you're out, um, you know, uh, Obi shared with us, you know, how she thought that, you know, the moment my son is born, I should automatically start to be attached to him and, mm-hmm. and to feel all these kinds of things. It doesn't necessarily happen instantly, you know, um, and, and this is something, of course, that's not commonly talked about and not commonly expressed. We shall see how that also plays a role. But so much is happening in that time. She had a very long labor, and you know, you can imagine how difficult that was. And then suddenly, you know, to switch, um, you know, to flip that switch is not very doesn't happen automatically. But but there's all these changes, you know, in the hormones in your body. Your body has to go through all these changes to go back to the non-pregnant state. So a lot is happening within that time. Very, and all those complex biological and chemical processes also affect the mind. So that's one of the reasons as to why this particular time is very, very um, prone or, or, or predisposes you to having this particular issue. So, so we have to keep that at the back of our minds. That there's so much happening biologically, you know, changes in, in this hormone and that hormone um, um, all happening at about that time. So apart from the biological element of it, we have to also look at it from the psychological perspective of it. And the psychology here, we're looking at someone's beliefs, perspectives, someone's, you know, uh, expectations, someone's scope of knowledge, someone's personality. Um, You know, Obi shared with us how, you know, all throughout the pregnancy, all throughout her, her life, she'd always seen these images of happy mothers with their babies and and you know how she had never really um, uh, she, she had this picture of what she expected this time to be. She had these already formed images of what it will be like when she has her child, you know, and, and she told us how she's always been a very inquisitive um, person and she's always been, you know, on top of things. She's that go-getter, right, sneakers and jeans, and she just gets up and, uh, and, and you know, runs out at things, you know. She, she, so she's already been preparing herself on a psychological perspective. She already had some ideas of what this should be like. She had some expectations, so to speak. And and for those expectations not to be met, for her to have now a very drastically different, um, you know, experience from what she had imagined and expected and prepared herself for. Um, she repeated so many times how no one had ever spoken to her about, you know, the other side of the coin, about the fact that there could be challenges about the fact that it won't be all sunshine and roses from the day go, that there'll be some low days. She had never conceived any idea around that ever happening. And so that psychological clash between expectations and experience, between what she had anticipated and what she eventually met, also that on a psychological level creates what we call a conflict. And that conflict um, fuels this kind of... um, illness that we're talking about. But there's also the social element that comes to it. 
And so, so the social element now is understanding the culture in which she lives, understanding the environment in which she's been raised. Um, she talks a lot about how, you know, much as she had people around her, she couldn't get herself to speak about it because then you're going to be perceived to be weak. You know, how, you know, the people in the environment talk about, you know, it's not your portion, you know, you, you can't yeah. speak about negative things. Um, how, you know, even with her mother, she couldn't actually have these kinds of conversations because, you know, what do you mean you're not feeling well, you know? How the environment takes care very much of the child. No one takes care of the mother. No one wants to know how the mother is doing. She speaks about how, you know, all throughout her antenatal visits, no one ever stopped to ask, how are you doing, mother? And, and how are things going? You know, everyone only pays attention to the child. And so you have the environment in which she's in that, that seems to turn a blind eye to this kind of experience and doesn't really want to acknowledge or confront it. And that social environment around her, uh, um, it, you know, also then precipitates or adds some, you know, catalyzes the process. And so you, you have a combination of the three. It's important that we understand that all these conditions have to be a sort of combination of the three. You have the biological changes that are taking place. You have the psychological conflict that's happening. And then you combine that with the societal expectations and environment in which she lives. And these three in the right combination are what ultimately will give rise to what we call postpartum depression. Of course, I, I, I don't have to mention the expectations that come with having a new child, you know. I now have someone I am entirely dependent on and I now have to change who I am and my perspectives. I have to feed this person. They can't take care of themselves. They have their own needs. She takes about a bad colic. This child is crying the whole night. I can't get some sleep. I can't. All these challenges that suddenly come up, even just, you know, from the perspective of, okay, now I have someone to look after and how it's expected for you to just sort of get your stuff together and, and you know, you know, show up day in, day out without, you know, batting an eyelid. Ultimately, it's that combination of these three things that, that eventually ends up into someone developing postpartum depression. Thank you so much for giving us at least what would consider a background or a clear understanding of a clear image of what postpartum might look like. Because like you had mentioned, this would take like the whole day, I think. Not or even true. there is a whole term, I think, yeah. that takes the professionals to have a clear understanding of how best they can help people who are struggling. Um, the thing that I may have, okay, you mentioned the bit of the biological changes in the bodies, but I've also had the physical body changes that weigh down the new mothers as well, where she was thin. She now has to deal with the body changes. Perhaps we're looking at someone who was posing as a model, let me say. And now there, there's a whole new person that she's looking at in the mirror. And she really has to negotiate with the new changes and come to terms with, okay, now who is this? And there is a whole society as well talking about, you need to cut that. You're so big, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. As you can see, all these different factors actually come into play. I mean, she, for example, uh, and so the physical changes are quite many. 
one and, and again lots of challenges come around that one of the things she actually shared with us is for example how you know she didn't have breast milk for the first two three days right mm-hmm. and you can imagine how frustrating that must have been you know i expect you know i know that i should be breastfeeding my child from day go but there's no breast milk no one ever tells you that it will not come immediately and for many people it definitely doesn't come immediately that's not something to alarm about but no one ever tells you that right no one prepares you for that so you have the biological shift from you know pregnancy to lactation so your body is going through so many changes for you to be able to sort of switch off this particular system and then switch on this system a lot happens in the biochemical level I'll not get into that so you have the physical changes that are happening now you know now there's milk and then you know uh the nipples crack nipples all those different things that are happening and are changing because something that has not been functional now has to suddenly get functional so there's a lot going on physically there's a lot going on psychologically because then you're wondering why don't I have breast milk is am I the problem have I done something wrong uh, you know am I not a good mother you know because how do I not have breast milk and yet that's nothing that you could do about that particular situation so you can see that you know suddenly there's not just a biological you know transition happening but even psychologically and then even socially because people want to ask you how come you don't have breast milk you know your child is hungry you need to feed your child why do you not have breast milk so all these three things when they actually merge is when you know eventually we see ourselves falling into this condition so you have to be thinking about it in that threefold perspective for you to have a very um clear picture of what it is right thank you so much dr gaba are there some misconceptions that you would love for us to get clarity on or just throw away for purposes uh, of this conversation very very true there are quite a number mm-hmm. uh, so so one people to think that you know postpartum depression means you're weak um no it's not so much about what strength you have as you can see it's a combination of very many things a lot of which you have no control over i mean the biology the chemicals that are flowing through your system you don't have much of a say on what happens where okay so this is not so much about someone being weak it's an illness just like any other um, and it's one that we can if identified early be able to manage um very very well or if we can prepare ourselves adequately we can actually prevent i think we shall speak about that as we go ahead and how do we how do we prevent or how do we prepare ourselves to be able to to overcome um something of this kind um so 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 very key for 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 us to be speaking about things like that so, so it doesn't mean that i'm weak um it doesn't mean that i did something wrong it doesn't mean that i'm not a good mother um that's not what postpartum depression is it's not something that should be kept in you know kept hidden right she obi shares with us how six months she was struggling but not no neighbor no visitor ever got to know what was happening in mean, between her and her sisters no one else knew what was going on you know and not so there's a there's this an written rule that you know you don't speak about what your experiences is or what you're going through which is not very true as well yeah and is it manageable yes it can be managed it can be treated sometimes people think you know there's nothing we can do let's just sit back and wait it out no it, it can be managed does everyone go through it no mm-hmm. um, you know does it only happen with the first time not necessarily it could happen on your second pregnancy third fourth it, it, it varies yeah right and I'm how you are rapping calm down doctor 
<laughs> There's so much to say. I'm sorry to tell, but you can slow me down if I'm being too fast. Here, here I am. Here I am. Uh, so when we get to have these conversations on, especially we've been drawing back to what Obi shared, but I'm also cognizant of the fact that they are different experiences that people may have mm. because it might not just manifest from detachment, but rather other things that we may have to consider and look out for as a sign or a symptom of postpartum depression. So would you please at least try to paint for us a picture on that? Some of the signs and symptoms that, you know, a, a new parent could look out for or even the people around them to at least come in as interveners. Okay, so it's postpartum depression. So it's first and foremost depression. So what you want to find, look for are the symptoms of depression. Yeah? Um, and if those symptoms of depression happen at the time when this person is in the first six months of pregnancy and that owns it around that time, then you call it postpartum depression. So what you're looking for are signs of depression. So it's not just the detachment um, from, from the child, but it's all those things that we know we look for when it comes to someone who is uh, battling with depression. So sadness, right? Persistent sadness, low mood, hopelessness. Loss of interest in previously pleasurable activity, you know? Um, that's another thing that we're going to see a lot of. Uh, difficulty sleeping or sleeping too much. It's one of the things that will be actually shared with us um, with our own experience. So you're going to find that you're, you're either not sleeping at all or, or you're sleeping way too much. Appetite, you know, either low appetite or very high appetite is going to come. Feelings of guilt. So I feel guilty. I feel like I've done something wrong. I feel like I am I'm not good enough. Social withdrawal. They tend to pull themselves away from people, you know, so they want to be alone, left alone. Very irritable. So small, small things get them annoyed. And, and, and they find that their mood is always swinging from up and, and down. Uh, up and down, sorry. Um, you'll find that they, um, you know, poor concentration, they're not able to focus on any particular task, they're finding it very difficult to, you know, um, keep track of things. Um, and, you know, you, you have, even like, you know, I have a child, I have to do certain things and I'm finding it very difficult to, to just process what needs to be done when uh, oftentimes they won't even take, you know, good care of themselves. So you find that they're not uh, grooming themselves as well as they should or, have the capacity to do, not taking care of the home as they should have the capacity to do, not looking after the child as they can and maybe should be able to do. So you find that they're having challenges even with certain things which we would expect to be, um, or they have the capacity to do or even want to do. So you find that there's lots, you know, poor concentration, they are always tired, that fatigue um, that is very persistent, um, you know, even when they've not really exerted themselves, they are very, very tired. Um, yeah. I, I could just mention a couple, uh, some of these and, and a couple more. So really there's going to be lots. The, the, the key symptoms that we know of depression, you're going to see them as well coming up on top of, of course, the detachment from um, from the child, which is one of the primary symptoms that, that, that makes postpartum depression unique because you have now the child as well um, in this mix. Thank you so much for expounding on that. Obi is finally here. Hi, Welcome. Obi. 
Yeah, I've been listening to my favorite, favorite doctor. And I was just like, mm, Dr. Agaba is so nice. So, so nice to see you again. How Thank are you? you so much for, for sharing you. your story with us. I listened in and I was like, Thank you. You know, we need more of you, you to to start to change the face of of, of, of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I shared the link with um, some people on my mental health WhatsApp group, and the feedback was fantastic. You know, yeah. they they listened to the conversation between Abukizi and I, and some of them said, "Hey, I had very similar experiences." Yeah, very know, true. Very in, true. Uh, postpartum, and I didn't even know who to talk to. I didn't even know what was happening to me, and and stuff. So I, I was more than happy, more than happy to share my my story. Thank you very much, Dr. Yeah. Dennis. Great. And thank you for joining us so we can actually thank have you. this together um, and, yes. and, and expand on it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank Myself you. Myself with my theories and you with your experience, I think together <laughs> it will be able to, to get it home. <laughs> All right, so we have been talking about, Obi, by the time you came in, we had talked about, uh, actually, the time you came in, Dr. Agawa was covering yeah. the some of the signs and symptoms uh, yeah. that could be picked out on for a new parent or people that may be around them. For, yes. For them to pick on and figure out how to intervene. But now I would like to know from you, Dr. Agaba, how important is early intervention? Is this something that could get worse? Because you mentioned in the earlier, I don't know, should I call them sharings, where you mentioned that you don't just say you're going to sit it out. Yeah. So how important is early intervention? And how bad can it get if help is not gotten uh, it's 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 very very crucial that we identify it very early and we manage it um for a variety of reasons um and again we shall talk about how we manage you know because sometimes people think that the only management is a professional management and if you've not seen a professional you're not really helping you're not you're not being helped uh, but as we heard from Opie's story she received a lot of help you know, and, and it, it was pertinent that she did because that's how she was actually able to to get better. Um, but it's important that we get help. Um, and unfortunately, if we don't get help, it gets worse. It gets worse. Um, and, and we've seen cases of, of infanticide, um, quite unfortunately, but it does happen. Um, some others eventually get into what we call psychotic depression. They start to believe that, you know, their child is the cause of what they're feeling and, and they might end up actually hurting the child. Um, it might lead to suicide, as we know, with depression. If it's not managed, it gets worse. And then I don't like myself. I hate myself. Maybe the world is better off without me. And so I, we've, we've seen cases where mothers commit suicide during this time or, you know, um, end up killing the baby as well. So that's not something that we can take lightly. And, and that's what it looks like if it's not managed. It, it can't get um, to that unfortunate um, end. Yeah. I know, and, and interestingly, these are things that we don't like to, to talk about. You know, Obi mentioned how no one ever talks about, for example, mothers who die in childbirth. Uh, but it's unfortunate that 
even fewer people talk about mothers who commit suicide or who have, you know, infanticide um, tendencies as well. And, and we've seen this happen, and it's quite unfortunate, but it can be prevented if if identified early and managed early. Yeah. Actually, we can prevent. Uh, that's, that's what I was going to um, ask as you. Well. So let's not even wait for the depression to come. Like let's right. let's act um, and ensure that you know it can be prevented, which it can. It can be prevented. Um, if we if we know what to do, if we're very um, aggressive, and if we listen to hashtag Oh, there you go. <laughs> but for those who are just joining us, especially for this online conversation, Ooh, Opie, would you please mute one one of the devices? It's giving feedback. So for those that may not have an awareness or may not even know what the podcast is about, could you please at least give us a few ideas on how we can prevent this postpartum depression? Okay, before we go to prevent, I think I would mm-hmm. want to first touch on, okay, now that we know someone has postpartum depression, what do we do? Um, how do we... How do we support them? How do we manage this kind of condition? Right. Should I? Can I start there? Yes, please. Okay. Um, so, like I mentioned, the three threefold, right? Biopsycho, social, and there's a biological issue, a psychological issues, and social issues. The management is biopsychosocial as well. So, if we've diagnosed this person has a biological element to this illness, um, then they need to be. That has to also be addressed, and as such. Um, Depending on the severity of the case, we might need to prescribe medication. Okay, um, so so biologically, we might need to 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 give the medication to this particular um, patient. But like we mentioned, since we know that eventually the body um, is able to return to the normal state, all these hormones that have been, you know, going up and down during the course of pregnancy eventually resolve or, or are balanced out again. And that's why you notice that for most people, after some time, they sort of start to feel better with, with, with the passing of time because that biological element usually balances itself out as the months go by. Um, but, but for some people, that doesn't necessarily happen and they may need to get medication. Again, that is when we usually do that as a case-by-case basis depending on, on um, the evaluation done by the professionals to be able to tell who needs medication and who doesn't. So it's not really a hard and fast rule that everyone will get medication. But um, in some cases, we have to give medication to be able to balance out the chemical element or the biological element of the illness. That's one. The, the second is the social support. I can't underestimate the value of social support. And Obi shared, us, shared with us um, just how important it was for her to have her mother around and have her sisters with her. And, and the role they played is phenomenal and I think they, they deserve to be um, applauded um, very much for the work that they did um, that they were able to come and just spend time with her and you know tell stories and tell jokes and how they talked about everything and anything to try and cheer her up they were able to help take care of the baby when she wasn't in position to do so and, and just provide for the baby's needs but also allow her to take walks allow her to spend some time with herself um, that was very, very, very much treatment. That was very much um, therapy in and of itself for her to then be able to 
to to get better. So that's one of the, the social arm of therapy, that support from the people around you, that she was actually able to open up and speak to her mom about it and speak to her sisters about it and have the support of, of her partner as well was, was very, very key. And so you need that particular support. That's what they call the social support. Eventually, she tells us about how she discovered these support groups, uh, much as many of them are, you know, were in the UK or in the US, but just having people out there who have gone through some experience that you have and who are able to just walk you, walk with you through it and give you the encouragement and share their own tips of how they were able to go about that particular experience. That's what we call social therapy. It's very, very important and very, very effective in, in managing many of the issues that come with, with the illness. Part of it, for example, is just just even the being able to put a name to what this thing is, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Obi shared with us how for a long time she was not well. She was aware that she was not well, but she didn't even know what it was. She couldn't put a name to it. Quite unfortunately, she actually tells us how she went to see her doctor and her doctor didn't also know what was happening and couldn't give her the information, which happens. I mean, and we have to also, you know, um, work very much with, with our, uh, you know, frontline healthcare workers in, you know, obstetrics and gynecology that particularly deal with our mothers midwives are currently doing some work where we're trying to train um, midwives and, and nurses to be able to identify and screen mothers for postpartum depression. So we are doing some work in that particular lane and we, we need to do this together to get the word out there. Even for healthcare professionals, many of them don't know um, or, or aren't actually paying attention to be able to, to, to recognize these particular situations that may just occur during this time. So that social support is very, 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 very important. Um, if we were to be able to address um, this particular condition. The other arm is the psychological arm, and in which case we need psychotherapy to be able to resolve that internal conflict that comes up in the mind. You know, um, Obi shared with us how she had this whole other expectation of what motherhood would look like that had been fueled by all the adverts and ads that she'd seen and all the stories that she'd seen and the expectation that she had. So she had in her mind what this must look like. She already had these ideas, these expectations that I should just be happy. I should love my son from day one. I should, you know, just be excited to look at him and I should be smiling from morning to morning. And that wasn't the case that she eventually had to experience. And that conflict can be very difficult to unhinge. And, and you need a professional at that particular point, what we call a psychotherapist, who will be able to help you navigate through the conflicts in your mind um, and, and thus be able to to correct your perspectives of things. For a long time, Obi shared with us how she thought she was a bad mother, how she thought she was doing something wrong. And, and, and all these negative thought processes can be corrected um, with the appropriate techniques, um, which you know we employ as we do psychotherapy. And, and that would also have helped greatly uh, or helped greatly. So that the management of this condition, medication where it's needed, psychotherapy to change our perspectives and resolve the conflict in the mind and also that support system that intact group of people that's just working with you and helping you to navigate the challenges but just even having people with whom you can share freely what you're going through what you're experiencing that's how we manage this kind of condition that's how we treat it and how we can be able to quickly overcome it um, and, and actually get back to being very well and very healthy right and, and in light yeah thank you uh, I think one of the questions that I, I find interesting is uh, is even showing in the attendance 
of the live recording where we have like what's this 90% are men <laughs> which which I feel like it's a it's more like a revolutionary move to have the men present and have a clear understanding of this kind of topic and now that brings me to a question of does it affect fathers as well does postpartum depression affect both mothers and fathers and if there is anything of that kind how can a father be affected for the father we wouldn't call it postpartum mm-hmm. depression okay at least it's not in the nomenclature that we use <laughs> um partly primarily because they don't have the whole biological processes going on um that the mothers have so we wouldn't from a technical point of view describe it as postpartum depression because they don't have that hormonal cyclic pattern you know going on at that particular point mm-hmm. however the fathers can get depression so we would just call it major depressive disorder right so we wouldn't particularly term it as postpartum, post-partum mm-hmm. depression but yes men men also suffer from mental illnesses men also suffer from you know the the pressures and 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 the the forces you know relating to becoming a father you know people seldom talk about what it's like uh, when you become a father you know i uh, for some reason I, for some reason i feel like they're even ignored no one asks them a lot of the time a lot of the time <laughs> i mean yes we look at the baby we look at the mom sometimes yeah. no one knows where the father is in this world <laughs> i know this yeah, I know I, this uh, Yeah. Exactly. Dr. Danny, sorry to interrupt you. Please. A friend of mine, many years ago, a friend of mine, um, after she had her baby, I remember going to the hospital to see her and the husband was there. The husband, you know, before the coming of the baby was a very, I mean, he was the life of the party, a social butterfly, very happy man. And I just noticed from the minute that baby arrived, his countenance changed he yeah. was miserable he was so i asked his wife i said is is your husband okay and she said yeah he's okay he's probably just tired because i had a long labor but guess what this man was struggling and we didn't know yeah. and i tell you two years after the coming of that baby he took his life he ended his oh, life oh no. yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh no. so yeah. men go through these pressures yeah. in yeah. silence Because mm. when the man is struggling and be, and he tries to open up, people say, "Hey, what's wrong with you? Your wife is the one who went through Thank you. labor, who went through all the pain. So you why you come? You pain. have to be a man. You understand? This man ended his life because there was nobody, even his his own wife. Although at the time, to be in all fairness, none of us knew what mental health yeah. was. Yeah. You know, because yeah. this was many years ago. There was little yeah. had little or no information, but his wife was not even paying enough attention. Yeah. to see that there was something wrong with her husband if for anything else she was actually irritated yeah that he was you know acting up he was disconnected from her and the baby she was very upset about it i just wanted to to add you know to this conversation about men and their mental health and how is- the pet of the baby can also impact the father mm-hmm. yeah it does it does men are uh, they are um, impacted greatly you know because again um you know you see unlike the mothers who have sort of nine months just sort of born with the child and you know also you know they it's it, it's it's a chance for them to sort of get 
a bit more accustomed to how it is to handle children again. Um, you know, that, that sort of comes and then they have time, breastfeeding and all that, you know, to just spend time and get the hands of it with, with, with the child, which, which men don't have that, you know, and yet you're the father of this child and many times all they want is, you know, go bring this, go bring that. The bill suddenly exactly. shoots mm. through the roof and you're thinking, oh my God, you know, and then no one, no one really pays attention to you. In our culture, what we have now, which I am a big advocate against is, you know, even the support that I've had from my wife. So usually what happens in this part of the world is, is, is the, you know, the mother and the baby go to the, you know, mother of, 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 of uh, the, the, to the grandmother. So the mother of the mother, right? The, she, the, the mother tends to go home to be looked after by her mother, right? Mm-hmm. And this man is left alone. So he's supposed to just figure it out on his own. And then suddenly, you know, he has to go and work. And then when he's back home, the baby's crying. He has to be part of the activities, you know, at home to support his wife. Uh, you know, if there was double income, now it's single income. Now he's the one who has to sort of do the running around. And then we can, when he comes home, he's tired. He also has to carry the baby at night and he's not going to sleep. In the morning tomorrow, he's going to be expected at office. At the office, no one wants to know whether you have a baby at home or not. Exactly. His boss is still expecting 101% from him, you know. So, mm-hmm. so so, the men many times also crack quite a bit during this time. And and it's something that we need to have a, a whole other conversation about. But yes, we wouldn't call it postpartum depression per se, right. uh, but it would. many of them do succumb to anxiety and depression during this time. All right, thank you. <clears throat> Sorry, thank you for expounding on that. And Obi, that, that um, example was quite moving. My mine was, I think, light because I was just going to talk about how I had a new tenant a while ago who he he, he came along and then later on a pregnant lady joined him. And the moment the child got delivered, this guy grew thin. I had yeah. never seen a drastic move as that one. Like I was like, what? And he has never gone back to the size that I'd seen him in. So we have, um, before we go forward, I'd like to send a special shout out to the people that are with us on the call. Um, I was going to start with Agatha <laughs> Tennis because this, <laughs> these, <are, laughs> these are in alphabetical order. We have our doctor on board. We have Elvis Cattle who has just joined us. Faith Agumia has been with us from the beginning. We have Father Gaston Sakala. I don't know where he comes from. Is he Nigerian? I'm not very sure. And then we have Jagaban from Uganda. Kelvin, rather King Melvin, sorry. Moses, Meragun. Meregra and then Obi and Peter Petero Makama. Thank you so much for yeah. being with us. So thank you, Nabuguzi. Please, sorry, I'm very curious as to why Father joined us because I, I think I'm really happy, <laughs> happy to see a clergyman. Honestly, honestly, because why I'm saying this is the clergy uh-huh. must be involved in this topic. Yes, the sure. clergy must be involved because mm-hmm. they play a very key role. They are stakeholders. And some priests who do not know what mothers are going through will shame you right. as a mother with a newborn. You are saying to him, look, father, I'm struggling. No, I don't have any connection with my baby. And he'll shame you without even knowing yeah. that he's yeah. shaming you. He'll say to you, because I, I had that said to me, mm-hmm. you know, you're ungrateful. 
Right. So many women die in the labor room. So, so many women are praying to have one baby. And you have a baby and you're complaining again. Why are you so... A priest said this to me. I'm mm, not even joking. Mm, mm, so mm, I was mm. very happy when I saw Father here. And, I, and you know, I think he... You know, I, I think we should hear from Father. Uh, except he doesn't want to make any <laughs> contributions. Father, good evening. <laughs> you are muted, Father. But before he says something, I'd like to read from Faith. She shared... So eye-opening. I actually thought that's just how I was. Thank you. And then Jagaban was responding to the question of if postpartum depression does affect fathers as well. And he was like, I would like to say that it does. But the psychiatrist has opened our eyes and helped us understand what the difference is between uh, major depressive disorder, is it? And... Uh, postpartum depression. So, Father Gaston, do you want to say something to us? Oh, you can... You have, to, you have to unmute yourself. Are you able to get me now? Ray, yes. Thank you. Well, I joined late, but listening to doctor there, I think men are victims as well because they are quite poor in terms of social aspect of their lives. Our women are very good. You find that in a parish, they are able to come together more often. And in such a way, they are able to share their experiences. But when it comes to men, they seem to be so busy with activities of the day. So I think they are dying more inside than women. That's that's my comment, but I joined the conversation very late, listening to what Doc was saying. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father Gaston. You'll be able to catch the whole conversation tomorrow. It's going to be shared on the podcast. All right, all right. Yes, thank you so much. Does anyone else have something to share? Moses? Jagaban? Petero? Melvin? Faith? Moses, I can see your hand up. You can unmute yourself. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you, Dr. Gawa, for this uh, topic, I should say. It's really a good thing that, um, what I guess, may, maybe what I can say, men should really get to really listen to this uh, broadcast more. Because I was trying to relate what I went through when we were pregnant for our first son. I think that time I really did a lot of reading. By the time um, my wife was like telling me something, I had already read about it and she kept on saying, but how, how do you come to know this? In fact, I knew a lot more than she knew. Every trimester she went into, I was already ahead of it. I, I knew what I have to expect. Yeah, it's true. Men, we go through this thing. And, uh, you know, when the baby comes, they're asking about the mother, baby, mother, baby, mother, baby. But the man, on the other side also, you are affected. 
One, you cannot sleep when the baby is crying. You can't. You have to be there the entire night. And then you see, I, I need this. And so uh, that time, it's really uh, a very busy time for a man because you have to be everywhere in order to support uh, your wife through it. So I just encourage the men here and those who really listen to it, please to be prepared for it and be very, very supportive because it's the only way we can help each other to overcome some of these things. Because if you really abandon your wife and and the baby, and you say, ah, because I've had men, when the baby starts crying, say, hey, please take away your child, Gandhi, maybe, maybe in the sitting room, or the man moves from the bedroom and goes into the sitting room. Mm. And the, But psychologically, that is already affecting you, you know? So we need to be supportive in all ways to make sure that this stage we all come out of it with our uh, minds really straightforward. Thank you. Thank you so much, Moses. Um, Melvin has his hand up. Jacoban had his hand up and he put it down, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> you brought it back. <laughs> Melvin, Melvin, let us hear from you. Thank you so much. I guess you can hear me. I can see this thing shaking. So <laughs> that means you can hear me. Yes. Um, I, mine is just to say thank you. Thank you to this podcast. Thank yeah. you to to this host and uh, and our doctor. Uh, this is the second time I'm attending uh, um, something like this with Dr. Agaba. So I would like to I would like to say thank you to both of you and to the podcast. This is a very very important conversation. Um, I, I am a student of psychology, and um, I've always argued with my friends that uh, before any 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 adult decides to have a child, okay, let's say two adults decide to have children, they should actually first learn some of these things in psychology. I have studied development psychology uh, like three times, same same course, and these things are online. But uh, it's always very, very interesting to learn how much our bodies go through, uh, not just our bodies, but mostly the brain. Um, mothers have to go, th go through a lot before they give birth to the child, but also it does not end there. It also affects them even after they have given birth. And for us to have this lesson today, um, it opens... Um, it gives us um, more knowledge to actually understand that it is more important that we read more before we... I come here mostly to learn because I'm not yet a parent, but I know that I want to be a parent and I want to be a very intentional parent. I want to be a parent who is who's there for not just my baby, my children, but also my, my baby, you know? Yeah, uh, so um, what I'm saying is thank you so much for the podcast and to you, the host. Thank you so um, much. Let's continue having these conversations and let's, we who are able to get this knowledge, let's go out there and share with our friends in our circles at work and everywhere we go. Thank you to all of you. And probably uh, this is my chance to say good night. Oh, good night. Thank you so much for joining us, Melvin. 
Jagaban, your hand is up. Oh, hi. Um, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Um, I want to speak for a category of um, young men who have had a very close shave with the issue that we are speaking about. I believe this is also part of postpartum depression. If you can allow me to explain, of course. Okay. Um, you you know how relationships happen for young people, and I'm speaking from my experience. I'm speaking for one of the relationships I once had. So get into a relationship. Of course, your intention is not really to have kids, but because of the, the promiscuity you're engaging in <laughs> and the carelessness, um, things happen. Okay. She gets pregnant, and along the way, you're having conversations of, um, should we keep this baby? Should we not? Mm-hmm. And before you even have time to process the shock of like, what will the family react like? What am I going to do? Do I have financial muscle enough? The baby dies. So I am speaking for my reality. Mm-hmm. And so when the baby dies, I was awoken to a... I, I met a whole new person that I didn't actually know I was in a relationship with. Uh, and this is what she told me. Every time I look at you, I see my dead baby. And yes, every time I look at you, I see my dead baby. I do not want to ever see you again. I do not want to live with you. I do not want to think about you because you remind me of a very painful time. So in the extreme cases, this can break a relationship. I don't know if it's part of postpartum depression, because she was pregnant before we had time to process it, before the parents knew, before my parents knew, before I had made up my mind, what do we do with the baby? Boom, it's out. So it's a lived reality. I don't know if I'm supposed to release this information, but for my own mental health, I've been struggling with this. I've Mm -hmm. kept it in for a very long time. So the first time I had... Chiwanuka speak about it. I was like, oh my God, someone finally gets it. Someone finally understands that this is a lived reality. So it's so heavy. It's so hard to deal with. And that's the pain I'm living with right now. It's a lived experience. It's a reality. I, I don't even know what people do. I don't know what, where they go. Because the person you would normally look to for help is the person who has just told you and not in a bad way, because they they carry the wounds of the relationship, of the pain, of everything. But then their reaction um, has a domino effect on your mental health. And that's where I am right now. I don't even know. I, it's something I'm working through right now as we speak. Right now. Okay. So that's it. I'm sorry about that, Jagaban, but still thank you for coming on live and sharing your experience. Uh, Faith says sending love and light. Doctor, before we go to Faith's raised hand, do you want to share something with Jagaban? 
for starters, thank you very much you know, for sharing that, that experience. It's not easy to be able to speak about things of this kind. Uh, but what I can tell you is to speak about it is the first step to actually heal. And so it's it's very powerful that you did speak about it and, and don't don't stop, you know, talk about it. It's very important, very helpful. And you you again raise an issue that's very very powerful as well. It's it's about other condition that we have and, and we need to deal with. Uh, you have a combination of grief, um, both for you and, and and for your partner as well. Um, what she's experiencing is, you know. Primarily grief, but also other forms of um, psychological distress that, that will come from an experience such as what she had to go through, which you both have to go through. It gets difficult, but to note that it's something that you know we have to work through um, rather than to avoid, and 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 it's important that you you get as much support as as you can, um, the both of you. Uh, you know, many times in this case, again, like you mentioned, we tend to pay more attention to the mother because we think they have the physical wounds. But oftentimes, the psychological wounds are a little more painful than the physical wounds. You know? and, and, and it's something we shouldn't avoid. We should, we should talk about it, reach out, get help, have a support system. We're going to talk about this uh, a lot more um, as we conclude in terms of what next, how do we go about it now that we know, how do we prevent it, how do we approach it. We're going to talk about that, but um, uh, I see the feeling is black. You feel alone. Um, you've just posted it there. Mm-hmm. That that is true, but you, you you it's 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 because of what you're experiencing. That's why you feel that way. But you'll notice that once you start to speak, once you start, it's not going to be easy. But when you start to speak about it and to to face it and to approach it, the light starts to return. Um, to use Obi's story, um, you know, she, she shared with us in the last episode that when she started to have this community of people that she could share with what she was experiencing, you know, when she finally had a name she could put to it, instantly she improved, to use her own words, 60%, you know, just from having people that she could talk to who could, you know, share what she was going through and, and, and could relate to what was happening that in itself is very therapeutic. If it is difficult, Jagabon, I'll say, it would be important for you to have um, a, a chat with, with a professional, you know, we, we could get in touch and we can see how we can support you to be able to, um, to to move through this particular situation. I know it's not easy, it's not easy, but it is it is doable. We can overcome um, this kind of experience. And, and I'd say that for now, but there is definitely a way out, and, and don't, don't, don't give up, you know. Thank you, <clears throat> thank you, Doctor Faith. You have your hand up. Thank you so much. This. Um, thank you so much for this amazing, amazing Google Meet. Actually, like I shared earlier, I didn't know, I didn't know this was happening. I was going through it, but then I, I just figured maybe because of my circumstance at the time, uh, the fact that I was in trade and my family didn't want to hear it and cut me off. 
So I figured maybe that's the reason I was going through this particular uh, uh, kind of depression. But um, I want to know, is there a system that has been put in place like during, uh, for example, antenatals to help us understand these particular things? Because one thing as you're going, I remember as a first-time mom, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. And the fact that I was in hiding because it was kind of an abomination. Why are you pregnant? How are you pregnant? How could you do that? It's a shame. So you reach Antinento and there's, everyone is just really tired. Like, what has brought you here? You're like, oh, okay, I'm pregnant. And what, what, what? They'd be like, fill in the chat. Sit down. You enter, they check you, you go home. No information whatsoever. You don't know how you know you're going to navigate this. You don't know what you're doing. You're just there, staggering. Until I, I approached my grandmom, who had been a midwife, and she filled me in on the basics, like feeding, and you know those basic things that they tell us to do while pregnant. But how are we going to copy? Uh, how is there a system that is there in place, or how can this be changed? Because midwives are scary, really, really scary. They freak me out. Like every time I went there, it's like I was going to a principal's office and I had been suspended for something because the first reaction is, uh huh, what is it now? You know, you're due in, maybe in a week or two. and no one like it's you just have to kind of swim through the whole situation and figure out you need warm clothes for your child you need this mostly in government hospitals you just have to kind find a way to figure it out or ask advice from someone who has been there before mm -hmm. and there are so many mothers who have not been there and they're just figuring it out and they don't know what to do. So is there a system in place or if it's not there, how can it be done with help of psychologists or... Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Dr. Agaba, do you have any information on the availability of this section in the antenatal care? Thank you very much for sharing faith and, and this is something that we've been for a long time crying for. Uh, mental health is not something that's prioritized in our healthcare system. Um, that's been a big challenge for a long time. I will not lie to you that it has finally been solved, far from it, but there is a push for us to improve, a big push for us to improve and, and we have to teach you know, we have to support, we have to empower, we have to change the perspectives of the people, even healthcare workers. And Obi shared with us a story as well. She went to see her doctor and the doctor did not know what was going on, right? Or did not care to listen and pay attention to, of course, every doctor has had training in mental illness and every doctor knows these things on the theoretical level. But because again, of our cultural influences and because of, of um, the environment in which we live, oftentimes we are not we don't pay attention or we don't care enough to dig deep and, and actually ask the questions that count and, and provide the information that needs to be provided. 
so it's 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 a big things that um you know we are not doing well enough in terms of our healthcare systems and, and we have to improve in and it starts with me and you we need to get the word out there um i mentioned earlier that i'm currently doing um a training we have a project that we were able to write and, and we are training you know nurses midwives you know to be able to screen and understand detect and manage this kind of condition so there is definitely a step in the right direction still too little uh, but i like to celebrate even the small wins and we know that together things will definitely change for the better um ahead of us so we need faith on board we need obi on board we need navuguzi on board all of us together you know uh, we can start to to you know raise the alarm and, and make noise eh? like they say you know make noise yeah but that, that's the only way we're going to start to see significant change um, in our healthcare delivery in in you know um in in the way that we serve the people that that need our help yeah yeah but honestly uh, dr gaba i need to make an input here because what faith said i thought it was only i thought this was only exclusive to nigeria you know because these frontline healthcare workers honestly they need reorientation and they need a lot of training the first day i shared my experience with postpart just part of it on my mental health and um, whatsapp group i remember this young woman in particular she she sent me a direct message and she says to me look so this is her story you know there's another aspect medical people or frontline healthcare workers don't pay attention to and that's moms struggling with breastfeeding so this lady was you know she, one of her breasts was the baby the, the baby rejected one breast for reasons we don't even know the baby refused to suck that breast and so it was just one breast and you know what happens the breast the baby is not sucking sucking is you know there's a lot of milk is swollen it is painful the mom is in a lot of discomfort and what does she do she goes to the hospital and this nurses and midwives start to attack her start to shame her Oh, you young mothers of this day, you you don't pay attention. You you're so careless. You're so this. You need to force the baby. You need, she's like, but this is a newborn baby. How will I force this baby to take these breasts? You, you understand? So, this is a young mom who's already struggling with her mental health because she doesn't even understand what's going on. And it's what Faith just said. You know how you get married and you just say, oh, okay, in two years I'm just gonna have two kids and that's it. And ten years after, you don't even have one child. It's it's we we a lot of women go into this thing without having first hand knowledge. You don't even know what to expect. In antenatal classes, what do they teach? Oh, dance like this, do this when the baby is coming. Just ridiculous stuff. Nobody is having important conversations you need to have with moms. And you ask them, and it's oh, we don't want to make them afraid. We don't want to scare them. We don't want, come on. Even research, I've read extensively on postpartum depression, and research has proven that. you when you educate yourself when you prepare yourself for stuff right it prepares you 50 times more than moms who have not read anything on these things for instance as a first time mom i didn't know there was anything called cracked nipples i didn't know about tears i didn't know mothers even experience that i didn't there were so many things i didn't know till i had my baby and i was going for antenatal classes and nobody even to bother to tell me these things So honestly our, our health frontline healthcare people are just a huge uh, let me not say they're a huge part of the problem but honestly they need 
a lot of retraining and reorientation on how to show empathy. That's the first thing. It's part of your job. Show empathy. Show show that you care. You understand? I I don't want to I don't want to take up all our time, but mm-hmm. that's that's what I have to say in contribution to where we are now in, in our discussions on the topic. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for your contributions. We have uh, truly come to the end of the conversation. Someone joined in at the very last minute. Patrick Oguel, you've missed the largest part of the conversation. You've actually missed the whole of the conversation. <laughs> you've only found the soup from uh, the beef, I think. You will be able to catch the whole conversation tomorrow on the podcast it is going to be published so let us all join hands and uh, clap for our before, before we do. resident psychologist you can you can share <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much uh, just before we do i think mm-hmm. just one last thing uh, that we we haven't tackled and i think we should before we wrap up we've mentioned a couple of things around this but um I just wanted to reiterate and, and just add my voice to that. So how do you prevent it? Okay, so we've talked about what it's like. We've talked about how to treat it. Is it preventable? Yes. How mm-hmm. do we prevent it? I'll just mention this very quickly so that we can wrap up. Yeah. Um, one information, I could say it in capital letters if, if that were possible. We need to arm ourselves with the right information of what this illness is. We need to arm ourselves with the right information of what this childbirth is, what being a parent is um, so information, information, information. You need to know as much as you can. Um, Moses shared with us how he kept reading. You know, he was always two or three steps ahead. Very important. And we should go out there and study and read. You know, um, someone mentioned about being an intentional parent. Very beautiful. Okay, so very important for us to read. Arm yourself. You know, information is in this case very much power. So the more you know, the better prepared you'll be. You'll know what to expect. You'll know what you know what not to expect. You know what what could go well, what may not go as 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 it has been pictured and presented. So, you know the good, the bad as well. Okay, we we have a tendency to want to share away from what is not necessarily very pretty, but we need to know what that is as well. You know what could possibly not go as as it should be, as well as what is going to be uh, right. You know they say you prepare for the worst. Plan for the best, prepare for the worst, right? So important for us to know. Information is very, very important. Two, social support. You know, I can't underestimate, um, I can't overemphasize how important it is to have a social support system around you. People that are going to walk with you along this journey to support you, they shouldn't come when you get postpartum depression. They should be there from the beginning, okay? So, you know, having the right midwives, having the right, you know, obstetrician, the right gynecologist, having your friends with you throughout this process, having your family with you, having your partner walking alongside you is very, very important for you to be able to to navigate through, um, you know, what, you know, this this whole time, you know, and, and to, to ensure that you're able to come out of it very well. So having that support system, you know, taking time to ensure that, you know, you have people around you that you're working with that know what's going on. It's important to talk about what you feel and what you're experiencing, okay? So have people that you can share with very honestly. That's very, very important. We also encourage, um, you know, physical activity, have, 
you know, things that you do that make you happy, have, you know, hobbies, you know, we talk about exercise and sports, very, very important. We tend to neglect this, but this is very important for our mental health. Eating right or that, um, important for us to pay a lot of attention to that. Um, getting enough sleep is also very important for us. Um, I'll just mention those those three for now. And, and so with this package, we can actually ensure that we don't find ourselves in, in postpartum depression. And if we do, and I'll just end with this, if we do, that's not the end. There is a lot of support that you can get. There's treatment. Um, seek out the professionals around you and, and you can be helped. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Agaba. Do you want to, can we clap for him again? We're, I'm doing a screen record just to have this moment captured for us uh, clapping for our resident cycle psychiatrist. See how I am <laughs> thank you for having me all right do have a good night thank you to everyone that has showed up for the conversation thank you, thank you. bye my favorite doctor <laughs> ob <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Whoever has missed this conversation, uh, those that you know that feel like that you feel like should have been part of the conversation, do let them know that it is going to be live tomorrow on uh, the podcast. Wednesday, the conversation will be live, and you will catch the whole conversation. Patrick, you'll catch the conversation. Priska, at some point, you are here with us, but you'll be able to catch whatever you missed. Thank you so much for everyone present. Moses, Faith. Obi, Jagaban, Agual, Priska, myself, yes, and Father Gaston. Do have a good night. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.